0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and we are ready to begin our text takeaways for the yellow light lesson. There are a lot of things that I think you and I can learn in regards to the yellow light, and I think all of us have at least one story or another that involves us blowing right through the yellow light without a second thought. And I get it. I, I, I totally understand why we do that, what our mindset is behind that, especially if you're running late for somewhere. Yellow lights are almost a challenge. Can I make it through in time? You've probably also been somebody who has blown through the yellow light, but you misjudged it, and in driving through it turns red, and you look to your spouse or to the person driving in the car with you, and you said, oh,
1: whoops, my bad. Today, as we think about kind of putting an end cap to
0: everything that we've talked about the last two weeks, about forgiveness,
1: about slowing down, we have to ask ourselves a serious question. Do we limit forgiveness? Do we limit forgiveness to the point where Essentially, I'll be more forgiving to one person, but not to another. Do we limit forgiveness more so to the people that we don't like versus the people that we do? You know,
0: does your favorite child get away with more than the child that tests you the most? Probably the better way to say that is your more obedient child, but
1: cat's out of the bag. I'm just kidding. We don't play favorites. Does your most common friend that you get along
0: with so well, does he get a pass? Does she get a pass more than that person in the group that everybody knows? You don't really know how
1: they became your friend. They don't know how you became their friend. And the moment they do something that's wrong, you just kind of let them have it. Do we set a limit? And I think the thing
0: that should scare all of us and really stop and make us think about this is
1: too often the answer to that question is a resounding yes, we do. But what we learned in our last two lessons, the two podcasts that we had together about Matthew 18,
0: is that there is no limit to the amount of forgiveness that should be shown. Jesus himself didn't set a limit, and I'm not just talking about when Jesus made this statement, told this parable. If you have your Bibles in front of you and you'd like to turn, I'll read it in case you don't, but if you do have your Bible and you want to turn and you want to look at these verses, you can. Philippians chapter 2 is probably one of the most easy-to-understand verses about Jesus's lack of limitation toward forgiveness. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1, we find, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Verse 2, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So we're talking about togetherness here. Verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Usually, this next verse is where we pick up when we talk about this subject matter. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Friends, we're taking that out of context if we only apply it to verses 5 through 11. We're taking that out of context if we neglect verses 1-4. through Because Paul is making a continuing statement here. Paul is saying, all that I just told you to do, all that I just looked at with you about fulfilling the joy that I have by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, if you want all of that, you let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind, the mind we've just been talking about, this mindset be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. There is not a single thing in verses one through four that Jesus himself could say, whoops, I didn't measure up to that one. Or you know what? I probably could have done a better job there, and I probably should have done a better job there. There's not a single statement that Paul wrote there, that Jesus would have to say, I could have done better. But he continues on to say, not in the statement of saying that Jesus is better, but he's making the statement that Jesus is better by saying, if this man can do this, what should you do? Watch this, verse 6, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It wasn't something that he he held on to and made it a claim. You, sometimes you hear people say all the time, my dad is so-and-so. Look, I, I grew up in a household with a preacher who is well-loved in the brotherhood, with a preacher who is an excellent gospel preacher. And at times, some people don't always look at that in the way that I think the Lord would have us to look at it. And as a little boy, there were some moments where I would be caught walking around saying, well, my daddy is so-and-so. And I'm reminded of a movie or TV show where two characters are talking about their respective fathers, and one of them said, my daddy owns buildings. Well, yeah, my daddy could beat your daddy up, and it just escalates. And we don't have Jesus doing something like that. We don't have Jesus saying, you know what? I am equal with God, I am somebody, you need to be thankful that I have arrived. And in regards to his mindset towards his equality with the Father, with God, it's a good thing that he didn't feel that way because we're told the fact that he didn't feel that way was how he could do verse 7 and following. Because he didn't consider it to be Robbery to be equal with God. It wasn't something where he said, I shouldn't have this, so I'll go to the earth. It was him saying, I'm allowed to have this, but watch this in verse 7. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God, also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And you might be thinking, Michael,
1: this is a stretch even for you. How are you going to make this about forgiveness? It's verse 8. It's verses 7 and 8. Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking
0: the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, humbling himself, becoming obedient to the point of death for what?
1: For who? For you and me. For you and me. You know, you and I can get so caught up in being angry for nothing. I don't know where it stands at the time of this episode dropping. But currently, my football team is not doing so well. Nor is my hockey team. My baseball team was the best team in baseball this season, only to lose in the first round. I can get angry. About all of those things, even to the point where I'll look at the rivals across
0: the way and say, I want nothing to do with that person. You think of the pettiness that is involved in sports. You think of the pettiness that is involved in following after a team, loving a team, and the kicker misses an extra point that costs you the game, or the kicker misses that crucial field goal or that quarterback. Who always makes that play,
1: he misses that one throw and it costs you the game. And sure, you're 10 and 1, but you would have been 11 and 0.
0: We can get to a point where we are so angry about the silliest of things that we don't really stop and think about the magnitude of Philippians 2. He became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, for people who
1: hated him, for his enemies and his friends, for his family and those that were not going to follow him while he lived. Jesus died on that cross for many people that day that will never have anything to do with him. And they will spend more time in their lives criticizing, ridiculing, berating the very man, the Son of
0: God, who died for them and said in Luke 23 and verse 34, Father, forgive them. Jesus did not set a limit. And we're to imitate him. In 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 16 Paul wrote to the brethren in Corinth, therefore I urge you, imitate me. And you might be thinking, hey, Paul, uh, I know you're an apostle and everything, but are you really the person that we're supposed to imitate? But you need to focus on chapter 11 and verse 1. And to be honest with you, chapter 11 and verse 1 in 1 Corinthians, I might have said this before, but it's, it's my favorite
1: New Testament passage. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. We must be like him. We need to be like the master
0: who looked at the servant who had an inordinate amount of money that he couldn't pay and say,
1: you're forgiven. If we want that done to us, we should do it to others. Number two, Christ forgave us,
0: so we should be willing to forgive others. And and this is what we were talking about earlier in Luke 23, 34. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Some people might say, well, there he is. We've been forgiven. There's nothing we need to worry about. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, Father, don't come get them. Be willing to forgive them. Remember the plan. Remember that I was sent here to die. Think of the wrath that God must have felt
1: toward his own creation when you think about what they did to his son, what we did to his son. Jesus was willing to forgive those in the very
0: process of being murdered by them. But number 2 in this same passage of mindset, I should say, he took care of his enemies.
1: Look, we talk a lot about John 13, and for good reason. But you think about what John 13 is actually talking about. That Jesus knowing that he would go and wipe the feet of Judas Iscariot. That's usually what we talk about, right? But the Bible
0: tells me that they all forsook him and fled. And so that night, Jesus washed 12 betrayers' feet,
1: knowing,
0: knowing that for a small period of time, they were going to be his enemy knowing that no matter what was going to happen, they were going to flee. Jesus knew the future. He knew what there was in their hearts. He knew they were cowards in that moment. He knew when he told Peter, you'll deny me three times, that that was going
1: to happen. And yet, he still washed their feet. But I can't take care of my enemies. I can't help the person that was not so nice to me. Number three, if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven.
0: And this is the hardest one, but it's what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 35. So will my heavenly father do to you. If each of you do not from your heart, forgive one another, either learn forgiveness or be forgotten. Now we've got to handle problems correctly. I know you and I might remember Acts 15 and verse 36 and following where after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, "Let's now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word and see how they're doing." And Barnabas was determined in verse 37 of Acts 15, to take with them John called Mark, but Paul says in verse 38, uh, "We're not going to take the guy that departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with him to the work." And by the way, this reads, "It seems like Luke is writing that they took John Mark on a missionary journey, and John Mark went for the sights. He didn't go to the work, at least. And this contention brews between Barnabas and Paul. And it becomes so sharp, they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening
1: the churches. And if you stop there, this is a heartbreaking passage about regret that they never reconcile, it seems. If you just read that and you don't read any further, but you know a lot about Demas, don't you? Well, let's talk
0: about him for a minute, because in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 9, Paul writes about another person that was an enemy of his. And he says in verse 9, I want you to be diligent, Timothy, to come to me quickly. Why? Well, because Demas... I thought he was in it for the long haul. I thought Demas was going to be one of the most accurate followers of God. He was never going to stray from the right to the left. Pinpoint accuracy, not missing the mark, and yet he's forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, the Cretans for Galatia, and Titus for Dalmatia, and only Luke is with me. Why don't you bring John Mark? because he is useful to me for ministry. Whatever it was in Acts 15, whatever had
1: happened, Paul was not too big for his britches, if you'll forgive the saying, to forgive him. Paul did not look, Paul did not look at this man as unredeemable. And if he can forgive, Can't we? If he can show that example of forgiveness, can't we? I'm thankful to have
0: had the last three weeks to discuss the mindset of forgiveness and this yellow light. And Lord willing, next week we'll begin a three episode arc on another sign. But until then, let's please God now so our eternity is far better.